0: Good morning, family. How are you? I'm super excited about today. There's lots of great things for us to celebrate today. It's already been an amazing day to be in the house, right? Amen, amen. I want to jump right in this morning uh, to uh, to continue our series, our sermon series that that I'll be leading you through in the summer. Uh, we're going to take a few weeks off after today, and Bob is going to be uh, sharing with you for the next few weeks while. Uh, While I accompany our students and our kids to summer camp, we're super excited about that. We're going to focus in on that a little later in the service, but we're going to be having this sermon series that I'm taking you through on worship, and um, last Sunday we were in John chapter 4, and today we're going to be using the same text today as a foundation, so if you want to go ahead and find John chapter 4 in your Bibles, um, I want us to review Our definition of worship that we've established uh, at the beginning of this series that we're going to use as our foundation, Um, I'm going to share this with you every message in this series because I want it to be seared into your mind. So here's our definition that we're using as a base for everything that we talk about. Worship is focusing our mind's attention and our heart's affection on God in response to who He is And what he's done. Now we know that worship is a response. And that's one of the key words in that definition. It's a response simultaneously of our heart and our mind. Because when we see who God is. And we see what God has done and what he's doing. The heart of a true believer cannot help but respond. Amen. Um, That we should always respond, when we open our eyes to the reality of who God is and what he does, there should always be a response, always a response from a believer. And a key understanding to worship is knowing that that response comes from inside of us. It's not external. It does not come from external things, not the tools that we use for worship. A worship response comes from inside of us. Here's an example. No one would ever say that the hammer built the house, right? No one would say that. No one would say that the piano wrote the song, right? No one would say that the pen wrote the book, right? These are all tools that are used by the builder, used by the artist, used by the writers to express what is inside their mind and inside their hearts. Worship music, buildings, sermons, prayers, these things don't create worship on their own. They are tools that true worshipers use to express what is inside their hearts and minds in response to who God is and what he does. Are you with me? Okay, so last week in John chapter 4, Jesus is explaining this concept to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he gives her a few key characteristics of the type of worshipers that God is looking for. You want to be a worshiper that God desires, right? We don't want to be worshipers that God is not looking for. We want to be the kind of worshipers that God is looking for. And Jesus tells us what that worshiper looks like. If we go back to verse 21 in John chapter 4, Jesus replied and he says, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So first he tells her that true worshipers aren't limited to worship in a particular place. Worship isn't bound by walls. It's not bound by borders. It happens wherever the worshiper is. Worship happens wherever there's a worshiper. That's not, hard, that's not hard to get. Very basic principle that Jesus tells. Then in verses 23 and 24, he says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. You ever noticed? I don't know if you paid attention last week, when he, Jesus says that the true worshipers will worship this way, you know that that implies that there's such a thing as a fake worshiper. That's what we don't want to be. We want to be true worshipers. So second, he explains that the worshipers God is seeking, the ones he is looking for, are those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And last Sunday we discussed what it meant to worship in spirit. That worshiping God in spirit involves our heart's affection. It's that first part, it's that second part of that definition that we came up with. It means that we don't just offer up empty words and actions to God. But that our words and actions are driven by our responses. Our responses to God of love, gratitude, wonder, reverence, fear. All of these things are responses of our heart to God. And we admitted that the words and the actions that we express in worship mean nothing. Unless they are sincere and heartfelt. But we can fool ourselves into believing that God will accept our worship just because we sing the songs. Or just because of what we say or do. As long as we're doing what everybody else is doing, we can fool ourselves into believing that God will accept that as our worship. Everybody else is singing the song, I'll sing the song. Everybody else is lifting their hands, I'll lift my hands. Everybody else bows their head to pray, well, I'll do that. But God doesn't have to accept that as our worship if if it doesn't come from our heart. It's just actions. God feels the same as we do. We talked about how you can tell when someone is expressing something to you and they don't mean it. Like when, you're, when you tell your kids, tell your brother you're sorry, and they look at him and go, I'm sorry. <laughs> that means nothing. That's not sincere. It's not heartfelt. And it's easy for us to tell. How much easier is it for God to look at us as we worship him and discern The sincerity of our heart. Absolutely, he knows. And words and actions without a sincere heart are empty before the Lord. They mean nothing. And we can't worship God who is in spirit with things that are physical. We also talked about that last week. That we must offer up our own spirits in worship. Only then can we allow the worship Of our spirits to come out of us in lifted voices, raised hands, humbly bowed knees. Without the spirit, all those things are empty. So we talked about last week what it means to worship in spirit. So today, we're going to talk about that second part. Jesus said that true worshipers worship in the spirit and in what? Truth. We're going to talk about truth this morning. It's the second key component to true worship. Have any of you ever seen a, an illusionist live? Like when I say an illusionist, some people say magician. I prefer the word illusionist. You ever seen a live, like somebody that does magic tricks, illusions? Um, there are uh, a couple of guys that are youth, in our youth ministry that we've been able to see. Um, Christians, Christian guys. Uh, Brock Gill is one. You can go Google Brock Gill. You can Google um, Jared Hall. Um, Jared is really, really good. But these are guys who go and they use uh, sleight of hand, they l- use illusions uh, to, share, to share about Christ and to share about God. And uh, you see them on television, guys like David Copperfield and, uh, and, and Chris Angel and people like that. Illusionists capture our attention because they seem to be able to do things that in reality we, we know are impossible. But they're able to make it look like they do it right in front of us. And and it blows our minds and it captures our attention. They can move things, make things vanish into thin air. And we don't know how they do it. Um, ben, my middle son, uh, a few years ago when he was a little younger, he went through a phase where he really, really, really got into that. And some of you guys remember it because he probably made you watch his card tricks uh, over and over. Like, yeah, I remember... Um, it's kind of funny he he's not so much into that anymore, but he's pretty good at it and I actually um, asked him to help me this morning so are are you ready? you got your stuff? I'm going to have him come up here to the front. I'm going to come down here on the floor because we, we want to be out here close so you guys can see what we're doing. Um, but he's brought his he's brought his deck of cards with him, and those are just um, those are that's just a regular deck of bicycle cards right full fifty two card deck. So he's going to demonstrate one of the one of the illusions um, that that lots of guys do, but but he figured out how to do He's going to do it on me, but you guys are going to be watching, so he's going to kind of do it with all of us. By
1: the way, I didn't teach myself. I learned from YouTube because I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: That's how you learn anything is yeah. by YouTube.
1: Okay, so beforehand, I picked out this card, Days of Hearts. So for short, we're just going to call this Hearts. Okay, so can you stick out your hand like this? So my dad is going to hold hearts. Alright, kay. so if that's hearts, that means this is diamonds. Okay. Right. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try to switch them without you knowing, but I'm gonna show y'all how I do it first. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in like this and then I'm gonna switch them. So now I have hearts. Okay. Okay. But I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it fast now, you ready? Whoa. <laughs> okay. Okay. So without looking at that card, do you think I switched it? Like, um, do, I think you, think
0: I okay, I think you want me to think that you switched it, <laughs> okay. but you had hearts and then you just did that, you want me to think I have hearts, but I, I think you still have hearts, so I don't okay, so know, I think,
1: which one's
0: on top? okay, now I think the hearts is on top, <laughs> are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? I, yeah, I think the hearts is on top. I think you were tricking me. You sure? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's hearts.
1: Okay, flip them over and show everybody what the cards
0: are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, did anybody see how he did that? No. Okay. All right. Yeah, especially you guys up front. Y'all are. Y'all are making sure we're legit. Okay. Now what I want him to do, I've asked him to do something this morning that that no good illusionist ever does. He's going to give away, he's going to tell you exactly how he just did that. Okay? So, okay. now I want you to explain to everybody how that happened. All
1: right. Beforehand, like when I was over there, he was talking. I got all four cards that I needed on top of the deck. I put them in the order where the two aces were on top of the queens. And then... I really did, I showed him the hearts, everybody, he really did have the hearts, so he put it in his hand, and then the next thing I did was, instead of acting like I only have one card, I really have three. I have the queens with me, and so I flipped them over and showed y'all, but when I put them back down and this, I pick up this next card, it's already a queen.
0: And what is that called in the magician it's called world? a
1: triple lift, because you pick up three cards.
0: There and you then, go. Sounds all technical, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs>
1: And then so I showed him how I was gonna do it. I went in and I actually did switch them. So I have hearts and he had the queen.
0: But I have the queen. But I thought I had the. Yeah,
1: he thought he had the diamond. The diamond. Yeah. Okay. And then I switched them, and all I did was I went in and out. I didn't. I didn't do anything. I just fooled y'all. And then, <laughs> so when I was asking him which one do you think it is, I looked down and I switched these two cards, and now I have a queen. And then when I have when I put them on both, now he ends up where he has two queens.
0: So see? So now, if you're ever at a show or you're on a cruise ship or you're somewhere and the little magician guy comes by, you can say, oh, I know how you did that. Um, thank you, Ben. Appreciate that. Now, I had Ben do that for a purpose. The The trick to, uh, illusionist trick like that, that's an example of the difference between the appearance of the way something is and the reality of what actually is. And that's where, that's where all illusionists, um, that, that's what they're able to do. They're able to make something appear different than what is actually going on in reality. It appeared that I had the ace, the aces in my hand. But actually, because of the way he did it, the reality was I had the queens instead of the aces. In verses 23 and 24, when Jesus says, Worship me in truth. He uses a word, the Greek word there for truth is aletheia. Aletheia. And it means this. The unveiled reality lying at the basis of and agreeing with an appearance. It's the reality pertaining to. To the appearance. When Jesus says worship me in truth. That means. That what is apparent. What it appears to be true. The truth. Is the reality underneath. That appearance. Are you with me? It, there, with that trick. There was an appearance. That one thing was going on. But the reality of what was actually happening. Was the truth. He says you worship me. In truth, Jesus says that the Father is looking for those kind of worshipers. And it means that he desires for us to worship in the reality of who he is and the reality of who we are. As we come before God in worship, we have to make sure that our worship is based on the reality of who God is and who we are. Not on just the way things appear. Do you sometimes come to worship and it appears... That God is not present? Do you sometimes, it appears that maybe God has left you, your circumstances are bad, and you think, well, God doesn't care. God isn't isn't with me. God is not, uh, he doesn't care. He's left me. God has allowed this to happen. There's, There's things that appear to be true, but God says, you must worship me in truth, which means cut below the appearance and get to the reality of who I am And the reality of who we are. So how can we know the reality of who God is and the reality of who we are? The only way we can know that is through God's own revealing of himself. If God did not reveal himself to us, there would be no way for us to know very much about him at all. The only way we can know the reality is if he reveals it. To us, And he has done that. The greatest revelation of God was in the person of Jesus Christ who walked on earth. But because we didn't live in the time that Jesus lived and we didn't see Jesus in person and we didn't hear him or see him face to face, God made sure that we could know what Jesus revealed about him so that we had it written down and the Bible is the written record of God revealing himself to us. So, let me say all that simply put. The truth we must worship in is the truth that we find here. We have to worship based on what this says, not based on the way things appear to be, not based on the way God appears to be, but who God says he is. And we also must worship in the truth of who God says we are. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the what? Truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. John 17, 17, when Jesus prayed in the garden for the disciples, for the believers, for us, he said, Sanctify them, Father, by the truth. Your word is truth. 2 Timothy 2, 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who needs not to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. If we worship God in truth, we worship the God of the scriptures. We worship the revealed God in the Bible. So there is no other reliable, trustworthy source of truth about God other than in this book. Period. Period. That's it. Because this is the revealed word of God. This is God's word about himself revealed to us. And not only must we worship in the truth of who he is, we have to worship in the truth of who we are. What does this word say we are? Who does this word say that we are? And as believers in the gospel, as children of God, we must worship in the reality that we are broken, sinful people, Who are small, microscopic in the scope of his creation. And in great need of mercy and in great need of grace. That is who scripture says we are. But at the same time, we must worship in the reality that we have been redeemed. That we have been bought by God at the highest cost and made sons and daughters of the living God. And so because of our faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are free. We have to worship in the reality of both of those things. Understanding our humility before a holy God that we are broken, sinful people, but also to worship in response to what he has done to bring us out of our brokenness and restore the relationship with us and make us a free people, make us sons and daughters of his. So we worship in truth, in response to both of those things. There is no way for us to know any of that about God or about us without this most valuable, precious, trustworthy Word of God. Our prayers must be rooted in the truth of his word. Our sermons must be rooted in the truth of this word. Not my word. Not any other preacher's word. I want you as a church to always hold me accountable as your pastor. To make sure that the word that comes out of this pulpit is the word of God not mine, and I will always make sure that anyone who stands in this pulpit in front of you preaches what is God's word and not man's word. Our music has to be rooted in the truth of his word, the reality of who he is and what he does. That's why it's important for us to engage our minds in the music that we listen to. Because if we, if we worship to music that is emotionally driving, that connects with our heart's affection, but it misrepresents the truth of who God is, then it doesn't honor him. It may be great for the radio, but if it doesn't accurately convey the truth of Scripture, then it's not worship. So how do I make sure that I'm worshiping God in truth? Hopefully that's a question that you're asking. You say, well Eric I I want to be a true worshiper. I want to worship God. I get the spirit part now I want to make sure that I'm worshiping in truth. How do I make sure I do that? You know how? Make being a student of God's word part of your worship. Read the book. It's not all about music. It's about the word if you want to make sure that you're able to discern what is truth and what is not truth then get in his word begin to read it begin to study it begin to understand it you do you realize that when you come together in sunday school that you are worshiping this is the worship service quote unquote but when you gather around god's word and you open it up and you let it speak to you, and you begin to discuss it with one another, and you're learning and you're engaging your minds and understanding the truth of God's Word. That is worship, folks. And you're worshiping in truth. If you find it hard to discern, maybe it means you just need to get in the Word some more. Or maybe you need to make yourself a part of a small group who does get in the Word. And maybe you say, well, I come to worship services, but Sunday school, I've just never really connected. There is so much for you to learn of truth. That's where we come together and we open up the Word and we let it teach us. Learn truth so that you can be equipped to worship God in truth. If worship is all feelings and emotions for us and we aren't diligently basing our worship in truth we will fall into all sorts of crazy theologies and doctrines about God. Thus, become worshipers of a God that is false. Worshippers of a God who is not real. We will become worshipers of a God that we have made for ourselves rather than the God who said, I am. That is the God that we worship. If we don't know the word... And we aren't engaging and learning and challenging one another in the scriptures. This won't be the God that you worship. We'll worship one that we've made up. We'll worship a God that we've made up of our experiences. And the appearances of things that we've seen around. The the God that other people say he is. The only God that we're concerned about. We want to worship the God whom he says he is. Because he is the only trustworthy source for that. God doesn't desire those who worship him based on who he appears to be. Because it's obvious that he appears to be lots of things to lots of different people in the world. God says, You must worship me based on the reality that I've revealed to you in my Son. And in my written word. Now church what happens. You think. When we become worshipers. Who understand both of those elements. That we worship in spirit. We don't give God empty words. Empty actions that that have no affection or meaning to us. but But we engage our hearts in worship. And we also engage our minds because we're taking in the truth of who God says he is and who God says we are. And as we listen, as we hear, I love, I'm so glad that Dan used that song, the beginning of worship. When I think about the Lord, it makes me want to shout. It's, a, it's the perfect example. Of what happens. Our minds engage and we begin to think about how great he is. And all of the things that he is. And all the things that he's done. And the things that he's doing in our lives right now. And it initiates a response that comes out of our heart. And it's a response that, that is full of affection and love. And sometimes fear. And sometimes reverence. And sometimes gratitude. And whatever that response is, it comes out of us. And we love worship music because the music gives us words to express those things that are in us that we don't really know how to put into words. Someone once said, that's, that's the definition of a true artist. They give us words to say the things that we don't know how to say for ourselves. That's why when you hear a worship song that connects with your heart emotionally, it's because you hear those lyrics and you say, that's how I feel. Like, I didn't know how to say it, but when you heard that song your heart just erupts and you go, yes, 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 that's, what I, that's how I feel. That's, I, I didn't know how to say it, but that song says it. And so I can sing that song even though I didn't come up with the words and it's a response that comes out of my heart. And when you connect those things, when we come in here and we worship in spirit and in truth, Jesus says those are the kind of worshipers that the Father is seeking. Those are the kind of worshipers... He is looking for. So how much more do you see? I see the Holy Spirit. When this place is full of worshipers who are worshiping in spirit and truth, I envision the Holy Spirit coming into this place almost the Holy Spirit is excited. God's already said where one or two true worshipers are together, then my presence will be here. But can you imagine the Holy Spirit coming into our prayer presence anticipating the power of, of our worship. And he comes in and he takes our mind's affection and our, heart's affa- and our heart's affection and our mind's attention. I'm sorry. And the Holy Spirit comes in and he breathes life into it. And then it becomes something supernatural. And it becomes something that God can use to, ch- to change the hearts of people. That's where worship comes from. Does it come from music? Does it come from sermons or prayers? But we have to worship in truth, the truth of this word.